Hi, this is Erica Bogan. Thank you for listening to the I Am Spartan podcast with Scott Knowles. I am Scott the Fane Knowles, and you're listening to another episode of I'm a Spartan OCR Podcast. What's up, everybody? Have you checked out the show's sponsor yet? Do me a favor and go and check out Monkey Grip. That's monkey with two E's. Go and check them out at monkeygrip.com or follow them on Instagram. Go follow them on Instagram because I told you to. They sell these cool rope grips that go around like any bar, like Works great on pull-up bars and dumbbells. They're great for dumbbells because you can do farmer's carries, but you're holding in that same grip location as you would if you were doing, say, a rope climb. And that's what's cool about these tools here is it's great for OCR because we have a lot of rope obstacles in OCR, like the slip wall, Hercules hoist, and the rope climb itself. The rope grips are $33.50, and he's got some level-up grips called the cannonball grips, which is actually like a monkey fist that you can hang from a pull-up bar in the same way. And those are $49.95. He also sells liquid chalk. It works great, too, and it sells for $9.50. Do me a favor. Go follow him on Instagram. That's monkey grip with two E's. This is a cool episode. Tracy Bianco is going to tell us all about how the Jacksonville weekend went. She participated in the 3K series test race that they had on Friday, and she tells us a lot about that race, and she also run in age group on Saturday and Sunday and tells us about those races as well. But before we talk about that, I want to talk to you about the information that Spartan dropped today about the 3K series race. And you can find this information on the Zendesk on the Spartan website. Where is the Zendesk, you may ask? Haha, <laughs> good question. If you scroll all the way to the bottom on the Spartan website, you'll see uh, a link you can click on that says FAQ. I guess that stands for facts or whatever. So click on that and you'll find the Zendesk, the whole rule books there, and... If you go to general, it'll show like the first new updates and you can find this information there if you want to see it yourself. I'm going to read you the highlights now. So the 5K Elite Series, I'm sorry, 3K Elite Series, I keep wanting to say 5K, was a series of five races you had to do four. Well, they cut out the the Canada race and so now you only have four races and you have to do three of the four races. The first race is April 21st in Palm Beach, Florida. The second race is May 19th at Big Bear, California. The third race is July 14th, that's two days before my birthday, in Pennsylvania, which Palmerton, it says Poconos, but we all call it Palmerton. And then the last race is October 13th in Mexico, and I guess that venue is to be determined because it doesn't say on here. They released the payouts for these races. So per event, first place will win $1,500. Second place will win $1,000, and third place will win $500. The overall series, which is three out of four races, whoever has the most points, I guess, will win $5,000 for first place, $2,500 for second place, and $1,000 for third place. So the payouts have gone down a little bit compared to the normal series that we're used to seeing. So, um, 
also, what else? Let me scroll through these screenshots here. So some other important information that they uh, revealed too. The season pass will not pay for these 3K series events, which I think is ridiculous. However, the unbreakable pass will pay for it. Because you know a lot of big elites, they pay, they bought that unbreakable pass, I'm sure. Right? So, um, what else? What else? What else? The 3K event is non-transferable. No finisher medals nor shirts are awarded at the 5K elite, or the 3K Elite Series. This does not even count towards any part of a trifecta at all. So that was another thing that was on there. So was that it? Okay, here's another cool thing, too, that I'm going to add here. If there's any of these, any people out there that are running in the age group series that feel like they would want to try this series as well, here is the invite and application process for the 3K event. Top competitors from 2022 and other competitors at Spartan's discretion will be invited to sign up with a guaranteed access to a spot for 14 days after the invitation. Once those 14 days have passed, any remaining spots will be made available to qualified applicants. These spots will be available on a first-come, first-served basis, and this invitation does not guarantee access to the event. Once the event is sold out, no additional spots will be available. So, let's see, what else did it say? Racers are able to access this application here, and there's a link, 3K Elite Series application. In order to be considered for an invitation, racers should be able to complete a 5K in under 20 minutes at a minimum. Please note that this is not the only criteria, and submitting a qualifying time under 20 minutes does not guarantee an invitation. So... There you go. This is the information that Spartan released, I think it was today. But anyway, me and Tracy talk a little bit more about this towards the uh, end of this episode. But, uh, um, yeah, and you'll hear us talk about our feelings on this series and everything later on. But anyway, it's a long episode. It's a great episode. Tracy's super cool to talk to, and I really enjoyed this interview, and I think you will too. But here's the interview with uh, Tracy Bianca. Tracy Bianco, how are you doing today? I'm good. I'm very good. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, thanks for coming on. <laughs> so, Tracy, tell us a little bit about yourself, like where you're from, what you do for a living, and like hardcore drugs, have you ever killed anybody, stuff like that. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, first and foremost, I'm not actually from Florida, so everybody that I've met in like the OCR world, because I started OCR in Florida um thinks that I'm from here and I'm not I'm from Atlantic like by Atlantic City New Jersey area I'm from a town called Northfield so where they held the Deco World Championships that's actually my backyard oh, cool. um yeah so I'm from uh New Jersey up there and right now I ended up in Florida because as I told you before my husband was in the Marine Corps for 10 years um so he was stationed in North Carolina and I actually moved from New Jersey to North Carolina for a couple of years in Jacksonville, North Carolina. And then after being in Jacksonville for a couple of years, we moved to Florida 
And funny story, they don't really tell you where you're going when uh, you are in a position like a recruiting position. They just say, hey, you know, you're getting stationed in so and so. And because I'm from New Jersey and it snows and it's miserable and cold up there, I have a ton of heavy wear, you know, like Mm -hmm. big coats and jackets and stuff like that. And when they said that we were going to Florida, I was stoked. Uh. I was like, yeah. And I threw out all my stuff. And then they were like, just kidding. You're going to the most northern part of Florida, basically Georgia, Tallahassee. I was like, shit. So I didn't really even know. I mean, I knew Tallahassee existed, but I didn't really know what Tallahassee was all about. Um, And then I ended up in Tallahassee. So that's how I got here. Um, But right now I have a couple different jobs. So I'm kind of like a jack of all trades. Mm -hmm. I originally um, in New Jersey went to school at Monmouth University. Um, and I got my BFA in graphic design and interactive media. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So the gym that I work for, I do all of their social marketing. So their website design, all of their virtual boards inside the gym, flyers, campaigns, Instagram, Facebook. Um, I run all of their social stuff. What's their gym? And I'm saying again. What's the gym? Momentum Fitness. Okay. Yeah. Momentum Fitness. Um, and as well as that, I'm a personal trainer Mm. and I also run my own hybrid athlete training program called Flocker. It's really called Called Florida OCR. Yeah. It's really (laughs) called Florida OCR, but it sounds better when you call each other like, you know, the mother flockers because it reads as Flocker. So we just call each other the flockers. That's what's up. I like that. Yeah. 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 So it's a ton of fun. I love being here. Actually. I love Tallahassee. You know, I you see, I live like an hour and a half away from uh, Tallahassee. And like me and a bunch of friends, we used to ride sport bikes and raise hell all the time. And we would always like, that was like our jam. We would ride down there. And I forget what that big lake is. It's just north of Tallahassee, but there's like a biker bar that's there. And it's a really small place. And everybody drops in their boats right there. And they usually have like live music on Sundays. But oh, like, fish camp. Huh? Fish camp. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yep, yep. Yeah, I we, love it there. We would ride down there like every Sunday, and it was our routine. We would get up early in the morning. We'd ride to Barnacle Bills, you know, eat some <laughs> seafood, and maybe stop at Krispy Kreme and get some donuts, and then go and see what was going on at the fish camp. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. I love fish camp. It's so much fun. And then we'd haul ass on back roads and try not to get caught by the cops. <laughs> that's awesome yeah Tallahassee actually like I I mean like I said I've heard of it but until I moved here I kind of thought it was like in nowhere's land you know um but Tallahassee has some really nice trails and some really good you know like scenic routes to take whether you're biking Mm. or running yeah that's that canopy road that goes back behind that lake is really cool too especially if you got like a jeep too Mm -hmm. um but uh, yeah, really one, cool spots. One thing I was going to tell you about Tallahassee too is is because we use an airline called Contour Airlines to go to Palmerton every year, but it doesn't go to Palmerton; it goes to Baltimore, and then we drive to Palmerton. But it's usually like a cheap commuter jet, and like you can get round trip tickets like really cheap, and the bag check is free. It's like a fifty person jet, but they only fly from like Macon to Baltimore. 
And I know that in Tallahassee, there's a jet, and all it does is fly from Tallahassee to Nashville. So if you ever wanted to go to Nashville on the cheap, you could take that plant, that plane there. No way. But the thing is, is like when you look for it, like it won't come up when you do like Google Flights. You have to go directly to their website called Contour Airlines. Contour Airlines. Yeah. Okay, well, when we get off this, you're going to have to remind me. I totally because... will. So we used to, uh, it used to be even cheaper, but now it's kind of gone up. We used to go to like the first couple of times we went to Palmerton, we got round trip tickets for like 180 bucks. Whoa, it's, that's pretty good. Yeah. I mean, Tallahassee, if you fly out of Tallahassee, is like 500 bucks for yeah. any flight you want to go to. Now, I, I've never searched their prices from Tallahassee to Nashville because, of course, that's not convenient to me. But you <laughs> might, you might want to check it out because it's so convenient because you don't have to be there like two hours early, you know what I mean? Because like mm-hmm. the same guy that like tears your tickets, the same guy that like you buy the ticket from is the same guy that accepts your ticket when you get on the plane. It says get here thirty <laughs> minutes early, free parking, free bag check. It's it's the jam. That sounds that sounds rad. We the last um, Nashville race we went to, we drove and it was like seven and a half hours. Yeah. So I'm totally down with that because the reason why we didn't fly out of Tallahassee to go to Nashville was because it was 500 bucks. I would rather just spend gas money. And see, this might not be out of the the bigger Tallahassee airport because Macon, they have like a small airport, you know what I mean? But we mm-hmm. fly into the Baltimore airport, so when you come back, you have to go through the, you know, the long security check and blah, blah, blah. But when you leave... You know, it's worth it because you don't have to pay for parking for the whole weekend and you got the free bag check. And you get that both ways. Totally. Yeah. But anyway, sorry I went on a tangent there. (laughs) I'm all about saving money to go to races. (laughs) Okay, so um, tell me about, like, what, I mean, you said you're, like, a personal trainer and and aren't you, like, 25 or something like that, too? Yeah, don't take some years off. I'm 28, turning 29. I, I just I just knew you were in your 20s. But, like, <laughs> have you had, like, a an extensive, like, background in sports? Or when you got out of high school, you just kind of found this personal training gig? Yeah, so, so okay. Actually, I, I mean, I've done sports my whole life. Um, I was a soccer player for, like, my entire life. Until I got to college, I actually took up pole vaulting. Um, and I went D1 and got a D1 oh, wow. scholarship at Monmouth University. So Sweet. I was lucky enough to know what school I wanted to go to. And then I landed the Division One scholarship doing pole vaulting on the track and field team mm. at Monmouth University. What was your PR? So I did a 12-4 at a beach vault. And in college, I was, I hit 12-2. I, my college career wasn't the best, um, that I could be I definitely suffered a lot meaning like I was a college kid Mm -hmm. 100% not doing everything I was supposed to be doing but I got there and I held some like the records that I have are mostly all from high school which I'm totally fine with because I would never take back my college experience you know ever um but I do have most of the records in in my high school I took all south I'm still top five all south jersey um, I have the Cal, the overall South Jersey, and my high school record. Those are 11-4. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that was a ton of fun. My, I come from a very athletic background, though. My 
dad has been a bodybuilder his whole life um, and has been in and out of the gym, you know, regardless if he was competing or not. Mm -hmm. And my mom did cheer when she was in high school, but also has been a part of the lifting realm. And she used to be a dancer in the Bahamas actually. So my parents are very athletic people. So Mm -hmm. as soon as they came out of the womb, they threw me in sports. Um, my brother as well, he is a bodybuilder and he has done baseball his whole life, multiple Mm -hmm. different sports, but right now he's doing bodybuilding. He actually has a show April 15th in Tampa that I'm going to. Oh, sweet. So, yeah, so I was very blessed to grow up around like an athletic type of, you know, family and just community that I've been in. Mm-hmm. But personal training was never really on my radar until I got to Tallahassee. It actually was kind of a fluke situation that I got into personal training. I, when I was in college, I went to school, like I said, for graphic design and interactive media. So I had a very large job, like corporate job. I was working for a hospital in New Jersey doing all of their marketing campaigns and stuff. And when I moved to Jacksonville, North Carolina, I actually couldn't find a graphic design job that was non-remote because when you're a military wife, it's very hard to find something without giving them a due date, you know? So I never knew where I was going. I never knew when, you know, my husband would be away. So I was kind of like a flight risk to take on. So I couldn't really land any graphic design jobs. So I actually started doing freelance work for myself Mm -hmm. and I was picking up clients here or there. And I had some clients back home at the old job that I had had that I could bring on. Um, and then when I got to Florida, I was like, you know, still in my own business And it wasn't really taking off, but I was kind of lost in the sense I didn't have like due dates for athletics and I didn't have like a real graphic job and I was totally lost in everything really. And I just so happened to be at Momentum just as a, you know, regular person working out. Mm -hmm. And my boss now had come up to me and been like, hey, um, you you seem, you know, like you like what you're doing. Your brother's in here all the time. Have you ever thought about being a personal trainer? Cause I'm loud. I mean, you know, me. I'm loud and obnoxious. And the moment I walked in there, people were like, who the hell is this? Like people did not like me, you know? I mean, I'm just, I'm all over the place. Um, and you know, not like in a bad way, but I'm just like, obviously there, you know, when I'm in the building, you That's know, probably why we get around, get along so good because me and my friends were loud and obnoxious too. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, you've seen me like I talk to everybody. I'm like, hey, what's up? I don't even have to know your name. I just like will go up and talk to you. So I must have like walked into this place basically pretending like I work there without even (laughs) working there, you know? Yeah. So he came up to me. He's like, have you ever thought about being a personal trainer? And I was like, no, screw that. Graphics all the way. Like I'm (laughs) just working out for fun, you know, doing my own thing. I'm not going to work for the man anymore whatever. (laughs) And then a couple months later he came back and he's like, Hey, you know, I see you're making like t-shirts and selling stuff. And like the, the personal training gigs still on the table. And Hmm. I'm like, you know, I've coached high school kids when I was doing pole vaulting in college, you know, and I've coached kids before in multiple different areas, but I never had that personal training bug. And I was like, still, I'm like, no, like, I'm not doing this, you know, like, whatever, I'm going to show them up, I'm going to be successful in my graphics business, whatever. Yeah. And then a couple months go by, and I'm like, 
depressed. I'm like, <laughs> this is not working. You know, like what I'm doing is not working. I've got to flip the script. Like my athletics game is not even where I want it to be because I didn't necessarily have a goal anymore. Mm. I, I didn't have a coach I was trying to perform for or whatever. And so the third time he came up to me, I was like, you know what? I think I'm going to go get my personal training cert. <laughs> and so, yeah, so I went and I got my personal training certification um, right, through FAMU University. And I ended up doing that and I do the graphics for Momentum. So it works out that I get to do both of the things that I love to do. Sweet. So who dragged you to your first Spartan race? So... My first Spartan race, um, I've been following Spartan for a while. I Spartan was one of those things that I've always wanted to do, you know, when I was in New Jersey. But the contract that I had signed when I was an athlete at Monmouth, we couldn't do much. They right. wouldn't really let us go to different outside events. Um, they wouldn't even really let me ski, even though I did it anyway, like ski and snowboarding. There was just a lot of small things that if in the event that I got hurt because mm-hmm. I was on a scholarship, they didn't want us to do. It makes sense. Yeah, so I was just, I always saw it, and I've been following it for a while, Um, and back in, it was 2019, I I just happened to see that one was in Jacksonville, and I was in Florida, Mm -hmm. and so I rounded up my husband, and I was like, hey, we should do this, right? And it took us, like, forever (laughs) to do the super. Like, when I say forever, I'm talking, like, hours, hours with an S like multiple hours to do this super. And one, it was because I was a heavy lifter at that point. So I could run maybe 50 feet and Mm. that was it. (laughs) And also we were totally, you know, screwing around. Like we were doing the obstacles multiple times and it was on, it's at the WW motocross track. So we're rolling down the hill and we're like, we're having a ton of fun, you know? And after that, and when I saw the community of people that it kind of cultivated and, how it was of, you know, all different ages. And Mm -hmm. no matter if you're competitive or not, people are there for your best interests and they all have goals. And that's what I was missing was that like team atmosphere, you know, that like team competitiveness type of atmosphere in my life that I've been with forever. I didn't have anymore. Um, And after I did one, I was like, yeah, sign me up. I'm going to randomly do a competitive heat and see if I get dead last. I don't even care. I'm just going to go for age group. Screw it. And so I came back and I started training. Heck yeah. Yeah. So you've done, you've done a ton of races since then. You've done about like 20 races or so, right? Yeah. Yeah. More than, more than that. I mean, I've been doing it since 2019 now. So I mean, a, a good, a good handful. Unfortunately, for some reason back when I first started, they didn't have, the whole like online, you know, situation where it tells you how many races you've done and stuff like that. Right. I think it's like part my fault too. I have like two accounts. So oh, all of sweet. the races and the <laughs> stats that I have are like split between after COVID hit until now is my current list. Oh wow. And whatever happened pre COVID is just like a wash anyway. <laughs> like don't even count it. But those were like, you know, all the races that I just kind of got into just because I think you can message them and they can straighten it out for you because I want to say that's happened to several people. I mean, of course, it'll take them a while to get back to you and, and straighten it out because, you know, there was a transition where all of the results used to go to Athlinks too, and then, you know, Spartan started, they revamped it, and they did it to where they have all of the results now as well. 
right. we're used to, you could go on Athlinks and see anybody's results. But the the stupid thing about Athlinks was, is like, let's say you run three sprints on the same day. Well, it would only let you claim two of those. They would, and the only way they'd let you claim two of them is if they were in uh, different formats. Is if you run like one as a uh, elite. Or no, maybe you could you could claim three. Like if you run elite or age group, you could claim that one. You could claim one open heat in the morning and one open heat in the afternoon. And but if you ran any more, they wouldn't let you count it. You couldn't attach your name to it or whatever. Even though your name was on it, you couldn't claim that result in Athlinks. Oh, that's wild. Yeah, and it was, yeah. and it, and I re, I remember inquiring about it, and they were like, and they gave me the reason, and I'm like, well, that that's kind of dumb, but whatever. <laughs> it's dumb, but yeah, I mean, like, I'll I could probably contact them about it, but like I said, the races that he did in 2019 are just kind of like, I mean, they're just like a wash for me at this point because I was totally messing around and trying to get my husband on course and rolling down the hills and stuff, right. but I mean, that's what got me into it, you know, so. Yeah. Of course, I mean, we raced our whole, me and all my friends, we raced a whole year, and I think we did like nine races our first year, and we did the first year all open heats, you know, and and the cool thing about running open heats was, is like a lot of races, you could drive up, you know, get there at lunch, do the race, you know, and turn around and come back home, but if you run competitive, you have to get like a hotel the night before, you know what I mean? So Yeah. That yeah. was what was cool about running open heats. Yeah. There was yeah, definitely. Uh, one race we we did, my buddy got this killer deal and it was back in twenty fifteen. I don't know how he got it. But like for three hundred bucks or maybe it was four hundred bucks, he got us two round trip tickets and a rental car. We flew to Dallas in the morning ran the race, come back to the airport, flew back home on the same day, and it was a beast. <laughs> no, oh, no way. It was, see, in, like, we can't, it was insane. See, so now, like, the team that we have, we run competitive and open. So, like, we are there yeah. all day. <laughs> yeah, so, we, like, we I am trying too. to corral the troops, like, all day long and try to, like, find people that are out there i mean it's a ton of fun don't get me wrong but right. if we didn't have a hotel like the night before and the day of yeah, oh you man got to. we'd be so screwed oh yeah you totally got to you know especially if you're running the competitive wave you, you got to man oh yeah there was one year the first year i went to palmerton and this was 20 i think it was 2018 and this was back when the super was like eight miles it wasn't a 10k but we uh we decided, you know, we were going to pour it on, and we did two laps of the Super at Palmerton, which was, it it was a beast of a day to do two laps there because it's such a mountain course, you know. And uh, and I t- kind of had to beg my, my two friends to go and do it with me, and we finished it, and then we were glad we did because a thunderstorm rolled in the next morning, and we weren't able to do the sprint, so... Palmerton's one of those courses that's on my bucket list. I haven't done it yet. Oh, man, that's a fun race. And it is so, that first mile is so rough because you, you will you will gain 1,000 feet in that first mile. Yeah, I've heard. I've had many, many friends tell me about it. And, you know, it's either, it, it they all tell me to do it. And in the same breath, tell me not to do it. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Before the, uh, you know, the age group uh, series was really a thing, when you run elite there, you had double sandbag carries. 
And uh, a lot of people complain because they don't do that anymore. But the thing about it is, is if, you, is if you get up there and you run out of sandbags and people are waiting in line to get sandbags, it's not fair. So I get why they got rid of the double sandbags, right. you know. Right, right. But, uh, yeah. So anyway, you had a good weekend at Jacksonville this past weekend. And you ran all three races and you did the new uh, 3K format. Yeah, I did. And I, I loved it. Well, uh, I thought it was awesome. Tell us about how it went. Yeah. So, um, I, can you hear me? I just walked into my garage. I'm sorry. Yeah, I can hear you. Okay, cool. So I did the three K I wasn't going to do it at first because it's the, um, it was the series weekend, right. you know? So I kind of was like toying back and forth with it and we didn't, I don't know, maybe it was my fault, but I didn't really understand the way that the qualifications were going to go. <laughs> um, I, yeah, I thought we were going to run a 3K. I did not realize that we were going to run Qualifiers. a 5K if you qualified, you know? So I'm like, you know, we're just going to go. Maybe we can just feel out the course a little bit. I've been there a couple times at right. the WW track, so it's not unfamiliar, right. but you know, you might as well get there and feel it out. And I didn't know who was showing up. And when we get there, they're explaining, you know, all the rules and stuff. And they're like, you know, basically saying if this doesn't really go well, then, you know, they're going to have to change up the whole thing and they might not make it. And somebody had said on the side, you know, that in the future, they're thinking about doing it for age groups. And so now we're all kind of like, well, we're all age groupers we're trying this out for the elite series that we're not going to run. Right. Right. So we're like, we might as well haul ass and mm -hmm. we're all looking at each other and we're like, all right, this is going to, this is going to suck. <laughs> so we start off the first one. And I know that a lot of people, when they first put out the list, um, everybody was complaining that there was no rigs and we were too, like when we first got there and they were explaining how it was going to go down and, you know, like all the rules and stuff, we were like, ah, oh, there's one rig. It was a multi-rig. Right. Everything else was, you know, that everybody could do. Like, G you wouldn't have to do a penalty yeah. for any of them. You know, so we're all kind of like, this doesn't really seem that taxing. Well, the first round goes off, and it's like the most brutal less than 10 minutes of your life. Mm. I mean, like, just because you're at this, like, super high threshold that, like, you wouldn't hold in a regular race. Right. You know? And they were sending out waves every two minutes. So all of the females started, and they would call your name out, and you would be with a group of, I think, eight of us. And so once we went and two minutes went by, the other people came on the course. Right. And we were going around the actual track itself, which wasn't very large. So you're trying to, like, finish before these people catch up to you. Right. Once we were out, then the guys came, you know. So I think it was about 20 minutes in between each of them. You got done. As soon as you were done, they told you if you made the top two-thirds. And then the top two-thirds went into the second round. You got about, like, 20 minutes in between. They send us off. So that's not deal. a that's not a big time to kind of rest and recuperate between rounds. No, no, not at all. So it, the, like twenty minutes or maybe even less. As soon as you got done the finish, you went to the tent and they told you if you made it. Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. And the the good the cool and also not cool thing about it was that because we went off at different groups and they sent us off every two minutes. 
like, for example, I came in first in the first heat, but overall I came second because the girl in the second round had beat my time. Right. But she went after me, you know? So you kind of had to wait a couple minutes to be able to make sure everybody came through Mm -hmm. to know where you actually stood. Right. Um, So then the top two thirds of that first group went to the second round. And then the second round, within 20 minutes, we all went off again. They sent us all off. Same deal. You came back. As soon as you went through the finish, they told you where your standings were at. And then the top one-third of that went into the finals. And then the finals was the three laps. So, like I said, I was under the impression we were running the three laps one time. Right. So that 500-foot, longer-than-a-football-field barbed wire crawl I did five times in a day. And so like I was in so much pain by the time <laughs> that Saturday morning came around because the course like Jacksonville has been in a dry spell. I'm sure you know this, since yeah. you, you know, yourself, but we've been in a dry spell. So it was nothing compared to last year, mm. the course, like no waist high mud, not even ankle deep mud. Wow. I mean, it was bone dry, mm. which is, unheard of for jacksonville you know yeah it is and that's always a muddy the, course yeah and the course the way that the bar bar crawl was set up they were spraying water at the top but it was just pressed on with the moto kids that are living there right now right so it was literally just dirt so mm. we were all by the time that we were done that 3k like all of us were screaming at each other <laughs> um but overall like the event went really good um, with the one rig, it was still just as hard. Cause like I said, your threshold is super high. Your heart rate is crazy high trying to finish these rounds as fast as possible. Right. Um, the laser pistol was actually sweet. Mm-hmm. Like I would rather that than the spear throw any day. Right. Yeah. So I got a question about that laser pistol. Um, from the way the instructions read, it reads that your time limit doesn't start until you hit somewhere on the target. So right. is do you have to like hit a bullseye every time to get that green light or is it just in the target you know, rings or whatever? Yeah, so there I mean there is a there's a small black hole that right. you have to hit that counts as a as a hit mark. And your 20 seconds starts with your first shot. So a lot of people were confused because, you know, at the race, they said, well, do you hit it? And then the clock starts and then you start getting your thir- your three chances to make the target. And it's actually if you hit the target, you hit that black hole on your first shot. It counts as one. Right. And then the clock starts moving. So realistically, then you hit it two more times and then you're out. Um, but it's a I mean, it's a palm sized target. It's not big. It's not big at all. It's about a palm or two size target with a, you know, small round hole in the center. And, um, they can show, they won't show you at the race, but they have them in the corral where they're actually set up to phones Mm -hmm. and the phones will tell you where the shots are going. So there was people standing behind us that were reading it because it was a test event. And I heard a couple people shout out like, you know, you're to the left. Obviously, they oh, won't do that cool. in a real event, but they were kind of doing that to a couple people that were there because they can read the marker on their phone of where you're hitting. Right. So my question is, is on the gun itself, like mm-hmm. when you pick it up and 
and pointed out there, like, is there anything to just stop you from just sitting there and just constantly pulling the trigger, kind of like you see people do with a paintball gun? Or does it have, like, a poundage to it where it's kind of hard to pull, so it kind of makes you concentrate on the pull? No, it's definitely... It's definitely like a paintball gun. I mean, like you're you can tell very fast who's who's held a gun in their hands before. Right. Um, so like a friend of mine, you know, was out there and I, I mean I've shot before, so it's one of those things that I think people think it's stupid, but in reality it really tests your ability to collect yourself in a racing standpoint. I mean, your heart rate's so high right. and you're shaking like crazy. It's the last obstacle you have to get to before your fire jump. So just imagine yourself like pushing your heart rate and then trying not to shake right. and hit this like quarter sized hole, you know, from a distance. I mean, it's pretty hard, but I mean, if you go up there, you know, cool and collected and hit your three and you're out, you're faster than the person that's just whomping on the gun and, you right. know, happy trigger fingering the, the gun, but you can definitely stand there and hit it a, a bunch of times. Right. That, I mean, I'm just saying it's it's only 20 seconds, and I'm just thinking, it, is it worth trying to, you know, slow aim and make three, you know, concentrated shots, or is it better to just stand at it and hold it and just sit there and pull the trigger as many times as you can because, you know, it's yeah, only so 20 seconds. I would say, I would say, to do it cool and collected, right. 100%. Only okay. two reasons. One, the gun is so light. So when you're standing there and you're and you're pressing on it, I mean, it's going to move. You know, so like the, the gun itself is very light. Um, so if you're just like pulling on that trigger multiple times, Probably I mean, you're not going to be more. in the same place every time you pull it. Right. And also, too, it's a, it's a reader. So if you're pulling it, you know, let's say you pull it 10 times very fast the machine is only going to really read five of those hits. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, because it, take, it takes a second. It takes like, a well, second. You hit it, okay. and it'll take a second, and the light will go on. Okay, well, that strategy probably wouldn't work like then. Okay, so that's good to know. See, a lot of people right. probably don't know that, and not, a lot of people aren't going to know about this gun going into this, and that's why I kind of wanted to ask these questions. So, yeah, totally. They, I did ask them, and they said that for they're going to try almost every like Spartan race. There was a ton of people there to have them, um, like in the corral spectator area, so that way people can try them out. That's cool. So I think I think it's going to be one of those things that once people get their hands on it, they really are not going to be hating on it so much, right? Um, because it is definitely a test. I mean, it's just like this spear throw. You know, it's it's. One of those technical things that if you don't practice it, you don't got it, right. and you got to you got to take your heart rate down and try to be able to collect yourself for a quick second. And mm-hmm. in such a short race event like a three k, where it's only a point six loop, I mean, twenty seconds is a lot of time. Yeah, absolutely. Did you it's get a lot of time? Did you get all of your shots every time? Oh yeah, I nailed that shit. I was the best one <laughs> out there. I did. I was so upset. My husband, my husband wasn't there for that. But every single time I hit it and the guy, one of the guys was like kind of making fun of me because I showed up, you could take it out of the holster. I was like, one, two, three, I'm out. That's how I like became like the first person over the fire jump on the first lap because I was with one of the girls the whole way. And then I caught her on the um, pistol and the guy was like, okay, like, let's see what you got in round two. And I'm like, one, two, three, and I'm out. 
So when the race was done, I was out there with the guy that was handling it, and we were trying to see how far away we could shoot <laughs> for them to read. So we made it pretty far. We made it all the way past the fence. If I don't know if you remember, but made like past the fence of like where the WW track is. So we were pretty far, and it was still reading. But huh. they're they're actually a ton of fun. Hmm. You must have been pretty yeah. good at duck hunt then when you were little. Yeah, I you know. I'm a little badass. I could do. I got jack of all trades going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know? I hear you. I hear you, <laughs> jack of all trades. Um. So, uh, somebody wanted me to ask you the question, uh, how taxing was, you know, running the rig so many times so fast? I noticed you had a video where you were chicken winging it. Were you doing that to be safe or were you doing that because your grip was already totally shot? Yeah, I would. So the chicken wing I did after the first lap, um, one, because we had to crawl directly before it and like you're on your forearms and you know I mean it was very taxing to be able to do that and also I'm wasn't able to move fast enough to be able to go through that rig with the penalty loop being right there and staying near the top um a lot of the people that I race with I mean even in my age group and then rigs are their biggest downfall Mm -hmm. where rigs are my that's my thing that's my jam right Um, I'm not a runner. I mean, I'm a runner now, I would say, you know, somewhat, I'm not the best runner, but I'm better at the obstacles than running. Mm -hmm. And for me to go through the rig is honestly faster than me running that penalty loop. So I had done the chicken wing because my grip was shot at that point. And I was just so tired, especially by that second round after coming out so hot that I just needed to make it to be able to pass the people that weren't able to do it. Right. So, the I heard that there were multiple attempts. You could take as many times as you wanted to on the rig. Is that right? No, there was a penalty loop there. Yeah, but somebody told me that if you fell off, you could do it again instead of doing the penalty loop. Is that not right? Mm-mm. No, you so had, they were making it was one attempt. penalty loops. So, it was one attempt then? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was just like a regular race. Gotcha. Um. But with that being said, there was definitely, you know, just like a normal race, people that are touching and going because they think that they can run faster in the loop. That's lame. So lame. It makes me so mad. You should have to. I called somebody out on Sunday about it. I mean, if you, here's my thing. If you're, if that's the route you want to go, you should at least have to grab one ring and swing off of it, off of the stand and fall down before you can run the penalty loop. 100%. 100%. I, I mean, mean, it's an it's an honest attempt thing. I I opened yes. my mouth. I was kind of an ass about it, but I was I was mad because people did it Sunday. One of the girls on or I'm sorry, Saturday, one of the girls I was running against in my age group literally jumped on top of the box, jumped to the monkey bars, touched the monkey bars and out loud what was like, "Screw this." and ran and did the penalty loop. And I was like, "If you're going to fucking do that, go run a trail race." <laughs> Yeah, I agree because with it's you. like, you know, I mean, like Spartan, I, mean, I guess Spartan can only do so much to enforce that if they're not right. going to make it like a multi-attempt obstacle with right. the volunteers that are out there, right? Right. So you rely on the volunteers to try to call people out, which some of the volunteers, you know, are not going to do that. So you kind of like have to rely on your people that you're running against to have good sportsmanship enough to want to keep integrity of the course. Right. 
And it's kind of like there's always going to be people that want to take the easy way out mm-hmm. because they want to play towards their benefits. And if you're a runner, you're going to want to run the penalty loop. If you're an obstacle person, you're going to want to do the obstacle. Mm-hmm. And I will say, like, on Sunday, especially because it's a 5K, doing the penalty loops kept the race really tight. Right. Like, it was a lot more interesting. It kept it really tight. But with that being said, half the people that did the penalty loops probably should never have done those penalty loops in the first place. Right. And here's and here's my thing, too, is, is if the penalty would have been 30 burpees instead of the penalty loop, I guarantee you that girl would have tried harder to get across the monkey bars. You know what I mean? Oh, absolutely. That, And that's why I say these penalty loops need to be either through some sketchy terrain or they need to be longer than the way they are. Were the penalty loops long at least? Um, they were No, they were all 200 meters. Mm. Yeah. And, you know, we, you know, like Garfield was there and there was other people there that were asking us our opinions after each race, like the whole weekend. And every single person was like, the penalty loops, I see, I don't mind the penalty loops like some people do because it is a way to stop people from cheating, mm-hmm. you know, like on their burpees. It keeps everything standardized. You know, I'm a racer. I've been running track and field for years. I, I get it. But like you said, it has to be something that's comparable to the amount of time it would take to get through a rig. I agree. If not more. I agree. So if it takes you, to, let's say, two minutes to muscle through a rig that somebody's bad at, but they're going to keep integrity of the course and they're going to muscle through that rig and it takes them a couple minutes. Well, it should take you a couple minutes, if not more, because you failed that rig to do your penalty. Right. You know, so 200 meters is nothing. That's less than a minute for most people, you know? Right. I mean, less than less than 30 seconds, but I'm saying like in the grand scheme of things overall with the amount of people, let's just say it's a minute, depending on what you're doing. I mean, that's less than doing a rig that's not fair. Right. You know? Yep. So that's the feedback we were giving back to him. I mean, we even said, we even said to make, you know, them all mandatory, especially in the three K, like there shouldn't be any penalty loops out there. And and I agree with you there. You know, it's like you said, if there's only going to be, you know, like on this race, for instance, the multi-rig was the only grip obstacle, you know, that should totally be, you know, mandatory completion. There shouldn't be any penalty loops. You know what I mean? Hundred percent. I mean, and if you're, and if this is an invite-only race for elites, they shouldn't be failing. I mean, I mean, give or take. You know, besides some really crappy weather, you know, and it's pouring down rain. I guess some people could fail the the multi rig too. But I just think if you're on the elite level, you ought to be getting through that obstacle when it's raining. You know what I mean? hundred percent, hundred percent. And the multi attempts, you know, it just keeps people accountable. It's it's right. like, if you're going to come in, you know, last place because you're standing at the multi-rig trying it 10 times, well, you better be dying trying because you're in a race that's so short that's held to that type of a standard. Like you said, you shouldn't need to have the penalty loops that are out there. Right. And even for a general race with how tight it kept the race. Yeah, it was exciting. But, you know, like I said before, it's not equating to the amount of time that it would actually take to do the rig. So right. like something like a carry or have them all be multiple attempts mm-hmm. or a specific amount of attempts, you know? So we were like throwing things at them all weekends when they were asking us about it. And not one person was like, 
yeah, pedal steel loops are perfect. They were all like, right. dude, they got to be harder. Yeah, I I just think for this short um, type series race, it just needs to be mandatory completion. Yeah. Um, and another thing that they could do for this, because the waves are such, you know, they're smaller, you could do double sandbag carries on a race of this size because you don't have 400, you know, competitive people going at this race, you know. You've only got mm-hmm. like, you know, 20 to 30 max. You know, and yep. all of those aren't yep. going to be at the sandbag at the same time. So I feel like this is a good opportunity to have a double sandbag carry. Yeah, 100%. Um, another thing, too, when we were talking to the people at the Laser Pistols um, after the race and I was talking to Garfield about it, I said, you know, a, a really good idea that I was thinking about is make it a time penalty. Like, for example, the Laser Pistols technically is a 20-second time penalty. Yeah. Whether you hit it in 20 seconds or not, you're being timed for that portion, right? right? So it's not a single attempt. It's a three-shot attempt, but your penalty is if you don't make it in 20 seconds, right. whatever your time would have been, it's 20 seconds longer. Yeah. So like, let's say you don't make the multi-rig and you want it to be a single attempt because that's how Spartan's rule book is across the board. Well, if in a short race like this, give them a time penalty. Right. Like if they can't do that, you know, if they can't do any any other rig that you're going to put in there, give them a time penalty because it just doesn't it doesn't make sense for them to have to do a penalty loop in such a short period. Right. You know, I mean, and that could be done, too, with the smaller waves with, you know, towards the last you have what, eight people in the final round. Is that right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, for eight people, you could totally, you know, judge a time penalty, I feel like, you know. 100%. 100%. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Yeah, hundred percent. So did did you like this three k format as opposed to like traditional like a five k sprint or what do you prefer? I mean, they're two totally different races. To be honest, um, I think that I mean, I, if there was a three k age group, I would do it again. Right. Hundred percent. Yeah. I I just generally I like it. And like I said, I'm in obstacle person so if it was a 3k with more obstacles i would be all over it because i think it's fun i think it genuinely tests your strength i think that that type of a format keeps the intensity high throughout the race so Mm. we were all you know like a part of it and even when you were out the people that didn't make it to the finals and the top you know 10 we were all still there cheering for each other and like the energy was really high, you know? Um, it also was a really good way for spectators to be able to watch because right. they can see the entire thing. So they could watch from start to finish. And so everybody was just, you know, around. So if they had a 3K series, you know, for elites and age group, I would definitely do it again. But in comparison to a 5K, it's two totally different races. Right. You know what I mean? To kind of compare... And it's probably because the obstacles are just right on top of each other, and that makes it more exciting, too, I would imagine. Yeah, oh yeah. Which, I think I would like that as well. <clears throat> well, did you did you hear some of the news that released today? You, About the Elite Series? Yeah, so what yeah. they're going to do is, is they're going to send out invites, and after, I think it's 14 days... If 
I guess all the positions aren't filled, anybody can submit to try to do the Elite Series as well. So you might get a second chance to do it. I might. I'll be in West Palm. Yeah, I'm going too. So I'll, we'll see. I'm yeah, going, West, Palm is, West Palm is a great small race. It, yeah, it's pretty good. And Garfield has always done a great race at that venue with what he has to do, you know. Yeah. I mean, it's nothing fancy, yeah. but it's a fast race. It is And a it's fast in the blistering race. heat, so. Yes, it is. But it's, yeah. I'm bummed it's not a two-day sprint this year. It's just the one day in the hurricane heat, isn't it? Yep, just Saturday, and then they got the Elite Series on Friday. Oh, damn. That's I a, didn't realize it was on Friday still. Yep. I think all those uh, Elite, the, the Elite Series is going to be on a Friday for every race. I think. I'm pretty sure. I well, might be wrong. Of, that's kind of hard. It I is. I will say, though, it, it was it was also very hard having it at 4 o'clock in the afternoon yeah. at 110 degrees. <laughs> I'm sure. It, it probably won't be any cooler in April in Palm Beach either. No, no. But, yeah, I mean, totally. I would do it again. I think that, like, if they – the way that they ran it, um, especially for being a test event, was run really well. Like right. they were on, they were on it, you know, they had your times right away. They were sending people out right away. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything was cleaned up out of the way, you know, we're like grabbing cups of water, throwing it everywhere. They, they were all over it. So that's cool. It was run very, it was run very well. Yeah. Well, it's probably easier to do that when you don't have hundreds of people and you just got say like, you know, a hundred, you know. Or yeah. less than that. I mean, if they did that with the open, it would be a mess. Oh, I'm sure. God almighty. Yeah, it would be. <laughs> it would be a total disaster. Right. Exactly. So you're the first person I've really talked to that's done, you know, a race this year in 2023. And I was curious, did anything like seriously, like really change? Like when you go to pick up your packet or when you finish the race or any part of the normal race flow has anything like major change from 2022 no everything's no. exactly the same Ooh, yeah i did have one important question and you were in central florida so when in central florida when we got our sprint shirt after you know the, for the trifecta weekend we noticed that our sprint shirts were different than any other of the sprint shirts that we got all year round it was like a cotton, like, gilded, you know, T-shirt that you usually get when you run your local 5K. Were the shirts yeah. were the shirts worth a shit this year? Oh, yeah. They're, I mean, the shirts were the good the good ones that you got in the beginning of the year, those, like, blue dry-fit material ones. Oh, good, um, good, good. Yeah, but I will say the shirts last year, for whatever reason, were, I don't know if it was to anybody else, but they were small as shit last year. So they're bigger and this year? And this year, year they're, they're big. <laughs> Yeah, because last year, all of the shirts I got, I think I got extra large all year round because once you put that bitch in the dryer, it went down a size. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. like, listen, I'm I'm a brolic, you know, I'm a brolic, brolic little girl here, and those shirts from last year make me look twice as big. <laughs> like, yeah. I'm like cutting out the necks. I was cutting out the arms, making it a cropped t-shirt to try to give myself anything from last year's shirt. Right. Um, but this year they're big, so you can actually get your real size. Oh, that's, hey, that's good news. That's good to hear. Yeah. So they still had the yeah, same yeah. thing at the finish line, the electrolyte water, banana, fit aid. 
Oh, yeah, all the same stuff. All right, cool. Nothing like that changed. There was a little, like, hiccup with the trail. That was, like, the only thing. I just don't think that they were prepared for as many people that came to the trail. Yeah, um, I heard they didn't have headbands or something like that, right? They didn't have shit. They didn't They didn't <laughs> have headbands. They didn't have – they literally wore just the um, – that paper slip that goes around your wrist. Holy shit. Uh, with, yeah, what am I trying to say? You know what I'm talking about, the little sticky thing you wear? Yeah, the armband. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So they wore that, um, and there was no water on course. Wow. And the the trail race didn't start. You know, they were supposed to start at 9.30. They didn't end up going out until about 9.45, which I guess is, like, normal. But they didn't have no send-out, so they didn't go underneath the barbed wire through the starting position like everybody else did Mm -hmm. they just started them they were like okay trail here we go and they were off like no big announcement no start line whatever um and they didn't have any water so me and a couple of girls i knew like a handful of people that were running out there and it was hot i mean like they were in the beating sun it was one of the hottest days of the year already here Mm -hmm. you know um and so I ran out with a couple of waters and was like handing them out to people right. in the woods because I just, you know, I knew a couple of people out there and they were dying. So yeah, that was a... that was the only hiccup. But other than that, I mean, everything else is exactly the same. It was a great weekend. Um, so how did you feel about them going through all that extra effort to put that barbed wire right before the wall that you jump over to get into the Stark Corral? <laughs> So the, the age groupers were fine. We're fine about it. You know, I mean, I'm it's, sure. it's everybody was like, oh, you're going to get tired before you race. And it's kind of like it was fun. Honestly, it's to me, it's no big deal. You know, it's just one of those things that they do to kind of like moderately piss you off right. before you're going to get really pissed off at the race. Right. You know? But, it's like those stupid, it's like, the, you remember you saw me being really lazy as shit trying to get underneath that single barbed wire in Central Florida? Yeah. <laughs> Under the fence? Yeah, I remember. <laughs> I was like, I did not want to get on the ground because I was just pissed <laughs> that they had to include that one extra barbed wire for no reason. That was funny. It's kind of like that, you know? It's like just to piss you off enough to second guess yourself, but you're already in it, you know? I said something so, smart to you when I come up behind you at that point. I can't remember what it was. Yeah, you were like, look at this lazy ass trying something to get underneath like this barbed wire. <laughs> or something like It's something like that, yeah. <laughs> yeah, because I just, dude, at that point of the race, I was like, <laughs> if they throw one more of these stupid barbed wires for no apparent reason in this Central Florida race, I was like, oh, this is it, I'm over this. So I literally tried to just get underneath of it without putting my hands on the ground. And that bar wire gave me the biggest hole in my pants. Right. Dude, yeah. I was just glad on Sunday in Central Florida, we weren't getting chased by bulls anymore. <laughs> oh, my God. That was, that was intense. It was exciting. I'll give them that. But some people didn't find it as exciting as I did because I got hit by them. <laughs> I actually saw on Southern Spartans the other day, um, you know that dog Zeus? Do you know him? The guy that brings his, like... Yes, big, yes, yes, um, yes. I know. The Great Danes. Yeah, yeah. There was a video of him chasing the bulls. Oh, my God. Yeah, and you can hear, like, the owner in the background. He's like, Zeus, Zeus, come back. And he's, like, <laughs> running after the cows. <laughs> That's funny. I, didn't, I hadn't seen yeah. that yet. I'll have to go and find that. 
Yeah. But so the age groupers with the barbed wire, I mean, like, we're fine. Right. I will say, however, the open wave was a mess. I'm sure. With those um, big there, waves it of people. took forever. Mm. Yeah. It was probably so, like, slowing the, down the heats, too. Yeah, it was slowing them down a lot. Um, we had a couple people that went out, you know, at like 10. Mm-hmm. Well, they were supposed to go out at 10. They most definitely did not go out at 10 o'clock. Um, and I mean, it's, you know, it was just really, I think if it was a different type of a climate, it wouldn't have been as bad. But considering right. how hot it was yeah. and how tired everybody was by Sunday, it kind of was a little bit of a mess. It was a big holdup. And see, my first, um, I'm lost for words. My first reaction, I guess, when I when I saw it, I was like, "Huh, that's pretty cool." It's a it's to intimidate people to let them know, you know, that for the first timers, what have I gotten myself into? And I got that, and I thought that was cool. But I've I've volunteered many times on like a build day, and when and I learned like if you work on if you work build crew on a Friday chances are you're going to work late because they usually are running behind on something. You know what I mean? So Mm -hmm, I just mm -hmm. felt like that took a lot of time to put that there. And I would rather, you know, the staff, you know, put more, put that effort like somewhere else on course for you to enjoy during the race, you know? Yeah. Like I, I almost wish they would have just given us a barbar crawl in the middle of the race for funsies. Right. Yeah, I mean, that yeah. that was, once I thought about it for a little while, I was like, man, that was a lot of extra work to put that there, and they could have put that into the race somewhere else, and that was, that's my, it's kind of like glass half full, glass half empty feelings about it. Yeah, they but it also, was cool. not only did they put the barbed wire there, but they took big stumps of trees yeah. and put them inside the barbed wire, and they also did that on the barbed wire crawl up the hill of the track. Sweet. So that, I mean, it was, it was a good play around while you're on course when you're rolling and yeah. you don't realize that there's a damn tree in front of you <laughs> and you run into it. <laughs> you know first. what I mean? So it was, it was cool during the race, but to get people, you know, that listen, there's a ton of different types of people out there in the open and they're just trying to finish. And so like when you throw people into that type of a situation before they even start, and it takes them like a good minute to get through that type of a crawl. And the crowd is like waiting on them to do their start. I mean, like they were really, really behind. Right. Mm. You know, so it was, it was like you said, it was one of those things where it was pretty cool. It was a challenge. It kind of like got you thinking a little bit. And especially for the open wave, like I said, yeah. the elite and age groupers didn't really care much. We just kind of blew by it. Mm. Um, it was kind of fun, but for the open, it was, it was definitely a lot. So I saw that you uh you placed second on Saturday and third on Sunday. Congratulations. Thank you. Um how was the uh like the award ceremony? Did it come a little earlier now since they don't have to count the burpees and stuff? Like was it on time? How did that go? Yeah, it was definitely on time and we did it normally we do it at like twelve thirty, one o'clock for the age groupers, you know, like runs really late. Yeah. Um, we did it at 1130 right away. Oh, that's awesome. That is good. News yeah, it to was good. I will say though that, and I know I saw some people posting about it, but I'm just going to say it because I'm that type of a person. Okay. Say it. There was Speak. a ton of elite racers that ran the age group series just to rack up some damn points. <laughs> and I was like, 
y'all gotta stop fucking doing that. Like, pick one. (laughs) (laughs) Well, come on. Hey, I'm so I'm gonna be devil's advocate here. So, if you're an elite racer, they've took away award money for normal elite races. So, the the all you get now, you just get that triangle, which is cool as fuck, and I'd love to get one, but I'll probably never Mm -hmm. will. So, you get more recognition in the age group series if you do the whole series and place towards the end of the year. You're going to get, like, prizes or whatever. So, if somebody chooses to do that and it's allowed, I don't have any problem with them doing it. You know what I mean? Yeah. So, I mean, you, I mean they've allowed that. So, I mean, I, I don't really have a problem. I don't have a problem with that. <clears throat> Yeah, here's the, so I was te- t- uh, talking to Kevin um, Galati is his last name, right? Yeah, KG. I think yeah. it's Galati, so, but I might be wrong. I, I think that's how you say it. But this is this is what we were talking about. It's kind of like you know, on the smaller races, age groupers go and they run elite, right. and on bigger races, age groupers that tend to go elite come back down. So there's yeah. kind of like a different toy back and forth. Yeah, and it's. It does suck because I would say, especially with the way that like Spartan's going, the age groupers are the ones that run the race, you know, like we are the ones that are holding up most of the tickets. Absolutely. Um, So we, you know, they're starting to give age groupers more recognition, which is nice. My only thing about it is that like, I think there needs some, there needs to be some sort of placement where it's like, if you've done a specific amount or you've ran a specific time to be able to do elite, then that's kind of like where you should say. It's just like saying the same thing about people that take first place in every single age group event right. and they never go up to elite. It's like the other people that are chasing after you and you've been on the top of that podium for five years straight, it's like, bro, go run elite. Right. You know what I'm saying? So there's like, again, it's just kind of, it's the same thing with the whole like penalty loop versus doing the multi-rig. It's almost like up to the athletes to like keep themselves to a standard. You know, Mm -hmm. it's like if you've run 20 elite races, but you're going to get recognized doing age group and you know, for you, Mm. you run 10 minutes faster. Don't come back down and just do it just because it's an easy win for you. No, I mean, I, I mean, I I get what you're saying. 100%. What it's what the time has come and I've, and I've been saying this since the beginning. The time has come to where you just need to make it a competitive, you make it competitive waves. You award the top three times with the triangles like they're doing now. And then you do age group awards after that. There is no elite heat. It's all one big competitive wave. Is it? It's exactly what Savage Race does. <coughs> Excuse me. You're good. Yeah, I mean, and we even, I talked, I mean, it's, that's a good idea too. <laughs> I even talked to Kevin about doing like, um, if they had elite and then there was like semi-pro, age group, and then open. And it's almost yeah. like four categories where the in-betweeners <clears throat> that are the top of the podium of age group, but not quite elite, are competing together. You know yeah, I mean? but that's making it like that's a lot of. I mean, it's that's a lot. So, it's so specific, and it's yeah. but it's like getting to that point where you're kind of like, well, where do these people go? Right. <laughs> you know. No, I mean, it, but, I, I think they just need to do it like you know regular, like regular marathons do it, and like 
kind of like Savage Race does it. You just award top three and do age groups within. And maybe do Masters, too. Do a little extra for Masters, you know. Since mm-hmm. since no money's being given out anymore for, you know, elite or age group. Yeah, and I can totally see that. I mean, people are so disappointed about, you know, the money and yeah. the standings for the 3K already. Like, I see it. I totally get it. You know? I mean, and it, and it could be... a lot of people talking this year, like, with the first event already happening for the age group series where... I mean, almost in every age group, there was somebody who came down and right. I mean, oh it, yeah, it just it kind of like it was this weird damper where like we all knew what was happening, oh, but yeah. nobody wanted to say it, you know. Right. Well, it didn't affect you much because you got third place on the second day, so maybe one person dropped down and beat you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So but, thankfully, I was you know I held my own a little bit. I was know, pretty sore from that damn three k. Right. Whatever. You know, in a simple fix to this would be and it's something they used to do in the past like on the saturday elite race they would do cash payouts but on the sunday race you'd get like a free race if you got first see what i'm saying like and they could do that i mean and it doesn't even have to be that like they don't have to give out a whole free race they could do just like a a hundred and seventy five and fifty dollar merch credit i mean that might be enough alone to you know, make people stay in the elite wave just to win something instead of, you know, dropping down to age group. Just a little incentive. But, I mean, if people that's been in this for years are probably like me, I've got so much Spartan shirts from doing races, I don't really care about buying any more swag anymore. You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, totally. You know, I understand that. That's actually something I forgot to tell you, that the people that won the 3K, they gave them a season pass. Oh, for the for the series y'all did? Yeah, that was pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I forgot to say that. The person that won, I don't know what they did for second and third. I, I'm not sure if they, they didn't did get anything. Nothing. They didn't get nothing. Yeah. Because um, my buddy's girlfriend, Mary, she was uh, second on the women's side. She didn't get nothing. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, no. So, I mean. And what's so funny about that is, so you want a season pass, but you realize you can't pay for those uh, 3k races with the season pass Isn't that crazy? I know it's like a freaking catch 22 and yeah. then you don't get any swag for doing the I mean, for the race either like, so they've gotten rid of the pro team they've minimized the payouts for the 3k series and now they pretty much have to pay for their own race and if they bought a season pass guess what it doesn't work for these races yeah. That's that's kind of yeah. a bummer all the way around. Not to mention, like, people from California paying to fly all the way to Palm Beach for a chance to win $1,500. And if you don't place yeah. first, you just, you better love the sport if you're going to be making that. You better not do it because you're thinking you're going to win money. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, I, I like, you know, like I said, I would do it. I would run the 3K race again because i thought the format was great and overall the experience was awesome but Mm. i do wish that they would do something for that because like you said and not only that it's like on a friday right people work yeah you know you gotta fly in an extra day you gotta stay an extra day it's at four o'clock in the afternoon like you're compromising your yourself your business and like just you as an overall human being competing at 4 p.m. Right. in the blazing sun in West Palm Beach. Right. And, you know, and then trying to compete the next day. And and it could be, and I don't know this for a fact, I'm speculating, this could all be 
something that Spartan's trying, and this is a transition year, and they're trying to save money as well. You know, there's no pro team. The payouts are smaller. There's no payouts at none of the other elite races this year. So this may be a thing where they're trying to make back some more money that they've lost in COVID or whatever debt that they may be in. So if this is something they have to do or they think that what they're doing will be to better the brand or help the brand survive, then I guess, you know, we got to go along with it. I mean, it is a bummer to the elites and it's a bummer to us, you know, because we like seeing the elites there. We like seeing the elites compete, but I, I mean, I totally get it. If Ryan Atkins doesn't want to fly all the way to Palm beach, you know, because the payout's not worth it to him and he's not getting any travel money. I get it. I don't Absolutely. expect to see him. I mean, honestly, I don't expect to see him there. And I'm because, I mean, he's going to, I mean, if he's doing it, he's probably doing it because he wants to and not because he's doing it for the money. And it's a shame because, you know, I would say, you know, honest Ryan and Lindsay were probably the only people that were able to only to race obstacle races, you know, for a living, you know. Right, right. And yeah, that may I have know, changed totally now. In- you know, Momentum is a DECA affiliate, and so we host DECA events, and so I'm I'm tight-knit in that community as well. Right. And I do know that, I mean, obviously, they're a part of the Spartan brand, mm-hmm. but, and I do know that this year, well, last year was very hard for them, and it was oh, yeah. a trend, it was definitely a transition year, and we had all, like, as affiliates, been, like, talking back and forth. I have, like, so many friends that are DECA affiliates, right. and you could definitely tell there was that like in the atmosphere where this year is like their comeback year, you know? And so I just only hope that they, this year is that comeback year for them and then they can give more to elites because they do deserve it. And and like you said, it's their jobs, you know? Right. And it's definitely, it's definitely one of those things where like as an affiliate, I can see that, what they're kind of going through and yeah. where they're like taking away certain things and adding certain things. But yeah. I will say overall for as much hate as Spartan and Decca get just because they're part of the Spartan realm. Like right. I work, you know, tightly with Fiancy. And I mean that, that guy does the freaking world for his people. Yeah, he does. And I mean, he really does. And even if like, you know, people say they get paid late or, you know, something happens where the shipment's late or whatever happens because it's Spartan, you know, like you can always bet on them to have your back with stuff. And so that's where I'm, I'm kind of playing that devil's advocate of like, it really sucks that they're taking some things away, but I can also see why. And I just don't, from the way it sounds, it doesn't sound like it's going to be a forever thing. So I can only hope that maybe like after this year or mid year, they start picking it up for the elites again. Yeah, and I mean, and I'm cool with them picking it up next year because, you know, Spartan got, you know, thrown into the fire, you know, during COVID. And not to mention, they rescued Tough Mudder right before COVID. So they were probably like, this couldn't have happened. COVID couldn't have happened at a worse time for them financially. And last year, I mean, I'm not a diehard Tough Mudder, but I've ran a couple. And to me, it looked like, the races were the races were great. My experiences with Tough Mudder races were great. Um, so it looks like they're doing great there. So hopefully they'll be able to keep both of these brands flourishing in the future because you know, to me they're the best races out there. So yeah, totally. 
And it does, you know, you know, like I said, being an athlete, I, it's one of those things where I see people, so many people so bummed about the payouts that are coming down and what they're doing. And don't get me wrong. I also don't necessarily agree with any of it. Right. Um, but as an athlete and as an elite athlete, I hope that I, you know, I know why they wouldn't fly all the way to compete for nothing in return, Right. but it does give them a very, um, good way for them to show off their talents. And I know all those people are getting sponsored by other companies and stuff. And so it's one of those things that I always see people complaining online about it. And I completely understand, but I also just hope that they don't bash them too hard and stop doing it because I feel like one day when they get their bearings back, they're going to, you know, open up the floodgates Mm. and everybody's going to come back running again because they'll be able to pay them and whatnot. And at least it gives them a platform for them to use their talents, you know? And see, me and you feel that way because, you know, we do this because we love it. We love the challenge. We enjoy being in the community. So, of course, we're going to throw tons of money at it just to get this adventure, this experience, and these memories. You know what I mean? Whereas, you know, for them, it's more about, you know, the money they can get. You know, their time spent. Like, they'd rather spend their time somewhere else if they weren't doing this. So, I mean, I get that, so. Oh, yeah, I get it, too. I get it, too. I mean, and they were probably just as passionate about the sport as we were when they started, but as things have kind of gone downhill for their side of the sport, I mean, I guess I could see where it's more of a bummer to them, you know, as to us, we don't see that side. Oh, yeah, I totally get it. I mean, don't get me wrong, it's, I I wish that all I could do was just race, but, like, with the way that they've even jacked up the prices, it's like, I don't have time to be doing that. I got to work. I'm yeah. a weekend warrior. Right. That's <laughs> me. Know? Totally. Like, that's what we have to do. So that's I right. totally get it. Absolutely. So, Hey, we're yeah. on an hour here, but I got some more questions. You got time? Yeah. All right, cool. Sure. Throw so I know you told me that you're uh, doing your first ultra this year. Are you excited about that? I am. Did I call <laughs> so you out? To say that. <laughs> Did I call you out? Say it again. Did I call you out? No, 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 no. Uh, I'm just like really hesitant to say that because I'm like, I can't believe I'm going to run an ultra race. Well, listen, I pole vaulted for like 15 years. Okay. Oh yeah. So you're totally ready to do an ultra. I mean, shit, if you've been pole vaulting, right? (laughs) No way. Do you know the furthest I literally ran my entire life is like 60 feet. Mm, Right. That's it. Like, I didn't have to run for shit. Like, our punishment when I was in college for, like, failing class was running a 400 meter. Mm. Okay? Like, I am not a runner. Right. You know, this this body doesn't run. So, sure. So, Why not sign up for an I, ultra? <laughs> so, when I started doing races, you know, I joke about it. And, like, obviously, I, I run now, you know. Right. I'm getting better at it, but, um, and I've done like multiple beasts and stuff before. So I'm really not terrible. I'm just like hating on myself a little bit, but never in my whole life would I ever thought I would want to do one of those or do an ultra period. Mm-hmm. Um, and I just feel like, you know, running this team that Barry is the one who's the coach beside me that runs this flocker team. Um, we just want to do hard shit and there's right just on. no reason why we shouldn't do one especially if, you know, our biggest thing as coaches is we want to embrace the suck with our people. We don't want to be those people that are, you know, 
coaching from the sidelines entirely. And so we really like pride ourselves on being able to train with our people or be in class with our people, run these races with our people. And this year for us and Barry and myself is just one of those years where we're going to do anything that we can. So we're signed up for a bunch of different uh, trail races throughout the year. Um, we're doing like a 20 miler pine mountain run at the end of the year that we're signed up for a couple different hybrid races. Um, pine mountain, Georgia? We're kind of doing it all. Is that pine mountain race in Georgia? Yeah. Okay. I know what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Um, so are you, are you doing the ultra as a competitive wave or are y'all doing it as a group? No, I'm going to do it in competitive. Why not? Hell yeah, you are. If I'm going to do it, I'm going to fucking do it. So how's your training been going for it? It's not that far away. It's not that far away. Hmm. Um, it was, it's been fine. It's been fine. I mean, like we haven't done, I haven't done anything past 16 right now. Right. Well, um, just because I mean like the race pattern is just really weird. So we had Jacksonville and then Atlanta's in two weeks. Right. Are you going to that? Hell yeah. Yeah, yeah. Okay, cool. I love that it's course. a trifecta weekend this year. That's right. Oh yeah. So, so you, we're so you do know that. there's not gonna be rolling mud there this year though, right? There's not? No. So I heard rumor that they're trying to I guess heal that area where they always have the rolling mud. And it would cost Spartan like $8,000 to rent equipment, dig it out, and replant seed and cover it back up if they put it in a new area. So they are still going to have a dunk wall, but they're not going to have rolling mud in Atlanta. Right. Well, I am totally fine with that because that shit was disgusting. Yeah. Rolling mud at Atlanta was, it was fierce. And having that dunk wall at the end of it was nasty. Yeah. Yeah. That was, that was foul. Yeah, like, I've never, I've never gone through a, a dunk wall before where I physically couldn't open my eyes afterwards right. because of how caked out I was from yeah. that mud. That was where I did my first Spartan race and that dunk wall mud's been in the same place every year. And my first race there, it was like 30 degrees. So it was fun. Yeah. Oh um, my God. Yeah. That, that was nuts. But so I'll be there and then, you know, we have, uh, Palm Beach, Yep. And then it's the ultra. So it's weirdly like this half marathon slash sprint. So my mentality is I'm actually, I'm technically training for the 50 K right. with some threshold work in between to be able to suffice for the shorter races. Yeah, but you, that's what I'm doing right now. So I'm starting to ramp it up now. You'll be fine. I mean, you've yeah. done a trifecta weekend. I think you'll be fine. Just um, don't go out too hot. That, that'd be my only advice. And, I mean, you already know you can be on your feet for eight hours. That's usually what I tell people. So, I would say you'll probably be fine. What is your strategy going into the Ultra? Have you come up with one yet? And what's the plan? Not yet. I'm a, little, I'm, a little, I'm a little scared to even, like, go after it, to be honest with you. But I haven't come up with a real plan. To be more honest with you, not necessarily the plan. My problem is the food. Um, because I have, like, very severe uh gut problems i have a hiatal hernia right so i can't digest food very well um so like eating solids like even halfway through is going to be really hard for me um so i'm i just have to figure it out i mean i've gotten my you know the half marathons down to a science because i've done them more often right um but that's just one thing that i'm personally 
you know, going to have to play with in the next couple weeks to know what I can handle and what I can't. And that for me is just honestly the biggest thing because what are you using fuel with now? Well, right now, see, like I can't, I only use honey and I use maple syrup. So like any sort of goose or even the honey syrup waffles or any sort of solids, like I can't digest well enough to be able to actually use it for fuel. It takes forever. Um, and it also gets super pent up and then, um, anything that's like solid, I can't like digest as well. Right. So it just kind of like takes forever and then I don't necessarily use it for fuel. So I really realistically only can use honey and like maple syrup, um, type of stuff. And then I just carry, you know, a flask of noon on me. So, the biggest thing for me personally is I'm just going to carry what I would carry in half mm-hmm. because your transition's at like 18. Right. And then um, I'm just going to have to figure out what I can handle halfway through. And that's just what I'm going to have to tailor with the next couple weeks. Well, I know some people use that tailwind stuff, which is like drinking calories. And it's, you know, super thick with, I mean, it's not thick to drink, but I mean, it's just got a lot of carbs in it and stuff like that. I'm not keen on the taste of it but that's something you might could try since you can't do solids you know yeah I yeah use, i'll definitely i'll definitely try it out i'm going to try anything in the next couple of weeks you know right i use a brand called sis gels and uh they're they're more like a water consistency and the flavors are really good um, they taste kind of like Gatorade, but they're probably about as thick as milk. So they're not like a, a gel type consistency. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And they're usually like 90 calories and some carbs, you know. There's no fat in it, no real sugar in it, you know. So mm-hmm. they're pretty easy on your gut. And I've only had issues like one time, and I think that was just when I was at Killington and just went out too hot and too hard. But okay. Um, you, you could try those maybe. Um, yeah, yeah, I'll definitely give it a shot. Like I said, I'm just gonna, I have to toy around with the, just a couple different things that I could get my hands on. Right. It's the fake sugar and that like maltodextrin that really. Right. Okay. Never mind then. Cause me. I'm pretty sure that's in SIS jail. So you'll skip those in. <laughs> yeah. So they'll, they'll go right for me. Right. <laughs> like, I can't be doing that. So yeah. But it's just going to be, you know, it's going to take a little trial and error. But, I mean, I have some time. It's coming up quick, but isn't it's there, in May. Isn't there like a maple syrup gel out there called, isn't it like untapped or something like that? Yeah. Is that what you yeah, use? Yeah, yeah. yeah they're, okay, they're cool. cool. I use untapped, and then I use, um, on like longer runs, I, I just use honey stingers, actually. They they work, they're or gels, you can get those little packs of honey. Right, yeah. 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 Right, cool. And weirdly enough, weirdly enough, the only other thing I can have is the watermelon Sour Patch Kids. Oh. And I don't know why. I just ate them on a fluke one day and they didn't kill me. Right. So I can eat them. <clears throat> I know a lot of people use like Swedish fish too. But they're a little bigger so to carry around. Uh, I use, I use, tried to use Swedish fish in Montana last year. It didn't work. And... Well, I couldn't eat them because it was so damn cold that the Swedish fish oh, no. rose to my side. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, so I ended up not. I literally got done the beast and I took my pack off and the Swedish fish were like twice the size and literally froze into my pack. Right. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I think you'll be totally fine. So here's another tip of advice I'll give you and I give all people that do ultras. 
you know, get there on Friday, go pick up your packet, but don't take your drop bin until Saturday morning. And the only reason why I say that is, is because in the middle of the night, you'll think, you'll think about something and you'll wonder, is that in my drop bin? And if your drop bin's at the race, you can't check it. So wait and take it that Saturday morning. Trust me. Oh, right. Yeah, I forgot. Once it's in, it's in, right? Once it's there, it's there. And, you know, and I just say, I mean, and you can check it in the morning. Don't get me wrong. But like one night, I just happened to think, you know, where's my headlamp at? And I couldn't remember if it was in my bin already or not. And if it would have been in the hotel room, I could have checked, saw it and been totally happy. But I didn't have it. So I got up and went to Walmart at like 3 a.m. and got another headlamp because I didn't know if I had mine or not. Oh man. Yeah, yeah, I'll totally do that. Thanks for that because I was I didn't even think of that. Yeah, don't do to it. To be honest with you. I've I've done it one time and I've never done it again since. So <laughs> it's just peace of mind and as long as you've already got your bib and everything it don't take no time to walk that bin in there and set it down and people talk about but yeah if you put it there the day before you can pick your spot it doesn't matter you're in the area there's plenty of room to put it somewhere the only thing is is just don't forget where you put it you know i mean if you think you might do that put something on your bin to make it stand out you know what i mean so Mm-hmm. yeah totally but i'm excited for it it's gonna be fun oh you'll love it and you and i guarantee you once you do the first one you'll you'll sign up and do another one too yeah i uh, i hope that's the case i mean Absolutely. i got a 50 50 shot either i'm gonna love it or i'm gonna hate it so there there's no there's no feeling like going across the finish line after finishing an ultra because you know i just did some shit right there i did it twice you know it's just <laughs> It's just another, it's another level of crossing the finish line in a Spartan race. Yeah, totally. I'm, I'm really excited. I actually convinced a couple people to do it with me and we're all going to run the age group. So hell yeah. at least I won't be doing it alone, you know? Right. Right. Yeah. yeah. You'll love it. That's a good venue to do your first one for sure. Because when we started in 2015, there wasn't a lot of places to go to do an ultra and we went to New Jersey and that was like at the time one of the more mild places they had an ultra, and it was the first year they did it in 2016. So, and it was still at a ski resort, you know. It, it was a while before they, I put one on a flat course. So. Oh, if I did my first ultra at, at any sort of ski resort or like up in the mountains, I most definitely wouldn't think I'd want to do one again. But <laughs> considering I'm doing it in Fayetteville, I think I'll, I'm like. I'm super hyped about it right now. So as the time gets closer, I'm going to get a little, you know, I get like that race anxiety going on, but right. I'm excited for it. The training has been fun. Cool. And this train, like running longer miles has been fun. Yeah. So. I, I did my first one on low mileage. Like I probably wasn't running, but like maybe 20 miles a week when I did my first ultra. So you'll be fine. Oh, cool. Um, Makes you feel better. <laughs> So I wanted to ask you because you and your friend uh, Abigail Crow is that how you say her last name? <laughs> yep. That's a cool last name, by the way. Yeah, it's really cool. So uh, you and her, y'all have a podcast called Bar Talk Podcast, right? We do. I just saw you followed us the other day. Yeah, well, I figured I'd check it out, you know, and I'd seen clips, you know, that y'all share and all, but I listened to a, a full episode the other day, and I was like, this is pretty cool. But I gotta, I gotta. I got to say something, though. Go ahead. What made y'all decide to name it Bar Talk? So, well, we're both personal trainers. Right. 
And um, we are kind of like the type of personal trainers that are not your typical person, personal trainer. I don't know if you listened to the last one, but we literally just roasted our entire field because we hate people like us, right. but we are us. Um, so it's being by the bar and like the barbell and giving fitness advice and tips mm-hmm. and just talking about it and making it more of a real life situational aspect instead mm-hmm. of thinking that like all people that go to the gym are these like badass gym rats that care so much about their nutrition and right. you know we kind of wanted to make it into just a realistic talk fitness talk and on top of that talk about anything else that we wanted to so it's more or less like being by the barbell but not taking life too seriously right well i mean i'll, I'll like i said i listened to one one episode and I'm, I'm subscribing to it but what um, and y'all actually seem like y'all really know what y'all are talking about, but my gripe is, is why did y'all name it Bar Talk when there's already like 20 other podcasts named Bar Talk? <laughs> well, I don't know. It was one of those things. There is like so many other Bar Talks, and when we were doing it, we were like, nah, fuck it. We're going to be the best Bar Talk out there. I hear you, because I saw it, and I was like, huh, that was a cool name for it, but then when I went to searching for it, because I think I searched for it on like Stitcher first, but it wasn't on Stitcher. So I had to, I found it somewhere else and was listening to it. I forget where it was because I was listening to it on my computer. But I was like, man, which Bar Talk is it? And then I found the logo and it was there. That's a cool yeah, logo, we, by the says, way. It says Bar Talk Media, I think. You're right. That's um, right. That's how I found it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's Bar Talk Media. But we did, like, the, the name was just, like, perfect. I made the logo. I was like, this is a badass logo. Like, It is right? a cool logo. I'm, thank you. Like, I, I did all of this stuff for it. I'm like, you know what? And we were going to change it when I was first looking it up. I'm like, I can't believe there's so many bar talks. And <laughs> I was listening to them. And, of course, I'm critiquing them. Like, they're nothing like me and Abigail yeah. Crow. Like, Fuck those happen. other bar talk podcasts. <laughs> I'm like, you got to <laughs> have our bar talk podcast. It's right. the best bar talk out there. I think it's so cool how y'all video thing. every single one, too. That's pretty cool. Oh, cool. Yeah, thanks. I mean, it's it, it, you would know. I mean, it takes a lot of work. But it, they're Absolutely. a ton of fun. It's a ton of fun. Um, we drop episodes like every Thursday, though. So one just came out today. That's the one that's um, that I'm talking about that we roast people that are like ourselves. Right, y'all are doing better than me because I don't. I never do podcasts weekly for a whole month straight. <laughs> I may have done that <laughs> well, one time, but I got it. it is. It's a lot of hard work. I think the hardest thing for me is with my work schedule and trying to schedule people to interview that works for both of us that's the hardest part which for y'all is probably kind of cool because y'all are mainly the only people that are on there y'all have had some guests here and there i saw though yeah we and i i would say that's kind of like our saving grace for ours is that we have each other you know and like you said we can pull guests when we want to or when we like you know want them to come on or we're talking to people about it we haven't gotten to the point where we've had people like you over the phone or you know somebody doing a video call or something like that that's something that we're looking into doing everybody that we've had on the podcast so far have been Been live yeah Mm -hmm. yeah all right so everybody listening y'all go on instagram and follow the bar talk podcast bar talk media podcast yeah totally it's show some bar love talk podcast yeah it's bar talk podcast on instagram but if you look for it on youtube spotify wherever it's bar talk media right Hell yeah. Yeah. Okay, totally. so I'm, I'm going to let you go, but everybody I bring on the show, I always ask them the same questions, and I'm going to ask you too. Okay. So to this day, it doesn't matter what event or anything. It could be pole vaulting, running, 
uh, CrossFit, whatever. What has been your most favorite race or event and why? Ooh, my fa- out of anything? Anything, anything. Tell us a story. Ooh, man. Ooh, man, that's hard. Okay, I will tell you one. So my, okay, I'm going to actually like throw it all the way back to, well, no, I'm going to throw it back to like our very first Jacksonville race with my team last year. Um, and so when we first started this, our Flocker program, right, right. we actually started it not because we were doing, you know, Spartan races. Barry and I had been doing six-week DECA programs for about a year, right. and we were throwing on these DECA races. And when Barry and I decided that we were going to have a competitive year of Spartan races, we were like, let's just see if anybody likes us enough to show up for a run on a weekend. But like, why not? We'll put it into the air. We'll see if people show up. If they don't, then we're not as cool as we thought we were. Right. So we put it out in the air, and we're like, hey, we're going to go for a run. We're starting with a 5K. Anybody's welcome. Um, and we had about 20 people show up randomly. And we were like, where the hell did you all come from? Huh. This is cool, right? Like, let's hang out. Let's do this. And one of the guys had cerebral palsy, and his name was Tony. And so he came, and – he literally hauled ass. I mean, like, this dude <laughs> ran faster than half the people that were out there, okay? Hmm. Coolest guy, nicest guy, was a little intimidated, you know? Mm-hmm. At the time, I mean, he I mean, he hauls ass, and he's got the biggest heart, and he was in it. He, bought, he has two different sized feet. He had different trail shoes on. I mean, he was ready to go. Wow. And so after about a month of that, Barry and I were like, okay, Anybody want to do this race with us in Jacksonville? It's going to be the worst race of your life. But I promise if you can do Jacksonville, you can do anything else. Okay. And all of them were like, yeah, sign me up. We're like, okay. So Barry and I started our Flocker program and we took Tony through the whole thing. And Tony ran the super. He didn't sign up for the sprint. He was like, I'm going to do a bad, I'm going to be a badass. I'm going to, you know, haul ass just like anybody else. And he didn't let anything stop him. And it was like one of the most emotional and best races of my life because every single one of our teammates was out there watching him race. Every single one of us was out there helping him on the obstacles that he couldn't necessarily do. Right. And um, one of the guys, the Spartan announcers, Mark, who also does the DECA stuff. Yeah. He was at the finish line and Tony was so afraid of jumping over the fire. And not because he was afraid of the fire, but he was he was afraid that, you know, his left side or I'm sorry, I'm pretty pretty sure it's his left side that is normally weaker than the other might start acting up because he was getting nervous and he didn't want people to see him. And he was more afraid of that sort of embarrassment, I think, over than the fire, you know. And so I went up to Mark and I was like, hey, this guy's got to get over the fire any way he fucking can. Like, if he gets bent up, trust me when I tell you he won't be mad. I need you to pull this guy over this fire, okay? Like, just grab his hand and pull him over the fire. I promise you, like, he will thank you beyond, you know, beyond belief. And he's like, are you sure? I'm like, yeah. So, sure enough, like, Tony gets up to the fire, and he's, like, getting all emotional, and he's crying. And, like, there's so many people we don't even know, and we're hysterically crying. And we're like, come on, Tony, you can do it. And I look at Mark, and I'm like, go. And he pulls him over the fire, and, like, we all just lost it. And it was just, like, such a good experience because, like, that's when Barry and I knew that we made a team, you that's know, awesome. like a family team. 
And so after that, we started our whole Flocker program. So that's probably the best experience I've ever had. That's awesome. Yeah. Okay, so sure. now I want the reverse of that question. Tell me what event or race that you hated the most or disliked the most and why. Okay, my worst event possible was Montana's Beast last year. Ooh, why? That's a bucket yeah. list race for me, too. <laughs> I have never, first of all, I got so sick. <laughs> I got so sick. I threw up on the mountain four times. <laughs> I was white as a ghost the whole way. It like rained, snowed, was hot as shit. Like all mixed different emotions going up the hill, down the hill. Like never in my, in my life have I been standing next to one of my athletes like mid race. I was racing and one of my athletes like came up next to me and I was apologizing for bringing her there. I was like, (laughs) I am the worst. I'm the worst coach ever. I can't believe I made you fucking do this. This is terrible. I was like literally in tears. I'm like, I'm so sorry. Throwing up on the side of the mountain. (laughs) It was so bad. So bad. It took me forever to get up that mountain and come back down. I think I ran the beast in like four and a half hours or something. I mean, I got so, so sick during that beast. And I was like, if I could just get, thankfully, weirdly enough, I had a clean race. Okay. Mm -hmm. So all of the obstacles, I was like, I got to get through the obstacle and then I could puke. I could get through the (laughs) obstacle and then I could puke. So like hauled ass on the Olympus. I got it immediately went inside the Olympus, like in between the triangle, (laughs) puked, kept running. I'm sure the staff <laughs> loved that when they had to take it down. Yeah, I'm like, I can't, you know. So that was probably my worst race experience. That's funny. Yeah, totally. Okay, so now, uh, last question, last question. So, okay. what is your race uh, ritual like? Do you have like a certain routine coming into a race weekend that you do on Friday and Saturday morning before the race, like, do you have, like, you know, a go-to meal, go-to supplement, you know, is there anything special you do after the race Saturday to get ready for the race Sunday? Let all these girls that you beat this weekend at Jacksonville know your secrets. (laughs) Um, Okay, so I don't, I'm very weird with food because I have a lot of stomach problems. So most of the things that I do, especially before race week, um, as I eat plain Jane, like plain pasta, like don't give me any sort of sauce. Don't like fancy up the chicken. Don't do any of that. Like I am plain. Um, I also weirdly enough, and maybe this is just because I have competed for a while. I don't get pre-race jitters right. like I used to. So I'm pretty calm leading up to it. That's However, like I said, my stomach is very queasy. So I have to eat plain all the way up to the race And then um, on race morning, I need to make sure I go to the bathroom. So all I do is I have a cup of black coffee and I eat like a waffle, a Vans waffle, and I'm out the door. Right. So my like race ritual routine isn't, you know, super crazy only because like I said, I have a very poor stomach. Um, But I do definitely make sure that I take my time pre-race and I like talk to no one. Like I don't want... Like, even if I stay in an Airbnb with, like, 15 people like I did this past weekend, I wake up, 
I do my thing. You know, I wake up a couple hours early, make sure I have time to warm up before the race. And I just kind of like Zen and like put my hands in the ground and feel grounded a little bit. Just be like, all right, whatever happens, happens. And then I go, you know, what's your warm up consist of? Um, I get there. We try to get there like an hour before so that we can run. I try to get in like at least a mile before we run so that way I can actively go to the bathroom afterwards (laughs) and then race. I'm not one of those people that just stand around and do some like any sort of mobility or active warm-up movements. I definitely run. Um, So I'll run about a mile, go to the bathroom, come back, and then more of the simple stuff. So your A skips, your B skips. Um, your workaround hip mobility stuff, right. leg swings, all of the good stuff that I learned in track and field, mm. for sure. Is there anything yeah. that you're, like, superstitious about, like, that you must do? Yes, 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 yes. I. It's, like, so embarrassing. Like, have you ever seen anybody at a track race do, like, the exact same thing or, like, baseball players do the exact same thing every time? It's, like, you know, if I don't tie my shoes in the right way or put them on the right feet first i'm like this whole race is going to shit so so wait 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 so you're saying like when you put them on the right way like you always put your right shoe on first or something like that is that what you mean yeah i put my left foot in you're gonna make me sound crazy i put my left foot in i put my right foot in i take my left foot out and then i put it back in and i gotta do it every time and then i tie my shoe left foot first right foot first oh yeah, like super weirdo. But like, no, let me tell you something. When I was in when I was in track and I vaulted, if I did not do that before my meets, I promise you, ninety nine point eight percent of the time the meet was going to shit. Right. And so if I do it, and I've been doing it at these races, knock on wood, that I can you know remember that I've done, I've made the podium. So. I'm going to keep doing it. Hell yeah, I'm cool with that. See, I've always, you know, I've I've always asked people, like, what their race routine was, you know. And when I interviewed uh, uh, Mike Strobel, you know him, he was out there this weekend. And uh, he he told me he sleeps in his his race gear. He'll, like, he sleeps (laughs) in his race shorts. And I just thought that was that was so unique. So now I've started asking people like, is what if they have like a superstition or a thing that they must do, you know, or it's something you know that gets in their head or whatever. But yeah, yeah, totally there with this with the superstition. Like whatever works, you know, you gotta you gotta do it. And if it works once, you do it again. If it works the second time, forget it. You're doing it every freaking race. I <laughs> promise you. Like you have to do it. But, like, pre-race routine stuff, I'm super plain, like, to the T, to the book type of warm-up. But, yeah, I got to put my shoes on the right way because I'm telling you, it works. Right on. Well, hey, Tracy, I'm out of questions. You want to tell people where they might could contact you about working at the gym with you or if they're considering on doing a DecaFit or where they can find your podcast? Let us know. Heck, yeah. So, I work at Momentum Fitness in Tallahassee. Um, and you can find me at Trasses here on Instagram. I'm on Instagram way too much for my own good. So I'll definitely see your DM if you have me, but it's Tras, not my name. T-R-A-S-S is here. And then our Bar Talk page is bartalk.podcast on Instagram as well. That's the best way to get in touch with us. All right, cool, Tracy. Hey, um, I appreciate you taking time to do this and we'll see you in Atlanta in a couple weeks. Yeah, thanks so much for having me on. I'll see you soon. Hope you enjoyed the interview. I want to thank Tracy Bianco. 
I think I called her Bianca earlier, which words are hard for me. And uh, I hope you enjoyed the interview. And go and check out her gym and check out uh, her podcast, too. If you're interested in doing DecaFit and they're doing classes and training for it, it sounds like a cool place to get started. And that's in the Tallahassee area and surrounding Florida areas. Uh, oh, I want to say a huge shout out to Mary Girth. It's Michael Robertson's girlfriend. And, uh, which is, that is endurance in itself, having to put up with Michael's ass all the time. But anyway, huge shout out to her. It seems like she's very humble or shy in her skills as, as a runner and an OCR competitor. And it seems like every time she's run a leap, me and Michael's kind of had to like nudge her into it. And this year she's branching out more towards it and she decided to run the super and the sprint this weekend in elite. And she normally just runs the ultras in elite and she's only done a f- two or three of those in elite. And so this weekend she got her first, first place in elite on the super. And then she, on s- Sunday, she run elite and placed third place. So, and huge shout out for her, for, just getting out of her comfort zone and doing something that scared her, you know. And then she placed first in the trail race later on, too. So she'd come away with three triangles for the weekend. So that was pretty awesome. I'd love to get her on the podcast and interview her, but she's way too shy, and she would never do it. But huge, mad props to her. If you ever see her in person, call her Maria, because that's her real name. It's not Mary. It's Maria. Uh, I will see everybody in a couple of weeks in Atlanta. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a trifecta weekend. That is going to be awesome. That's always a fun venue to go. I expect it to be dry. We hadn't got a lot of rain here, but I think there's like a cold front coming through with some rain. Normally, Conyers is always freezing, so I wouldn't be surprised if it's freezing this year, even though the weather's perfect for a Spartan race this weekend. Hey, follow us on Instagram and Facebook, and yo, we'll see you at the next race. Peace out.